So I want to begin by talking about wisdom. I want to read some scripture. I want to share some clips with you and, and, and hope that, that we walk out of here with a, with a clear understanding of the invitation and the choice between us all. So, so I want to explain to you what wisdom is, right? Wisdom is more than... than <clears throat> Let me just start here. Wisdom, quite simply, is being able to connect your choices to their outcomes. Wisdom is being able to connect your choices to their outcomes. For example, I cannot tell the future. I am not a prognosticator. I was as shocked as all of you when that little groundhog came out and declared spring. I didn't know. I can't predict that, right? But I can tell you, although I can't foresee the future, I can tell you what the future can, can look like. Most oftenly, when we find ourselves living in a certain way, and we continue to live, relive those choices day after day, I can guarantee that your life is gonna, in the future is going to look like just like it does today. When we keep living making the exact same choices that we make today, tomorrow's, tomorrow's going to be exactly the same. Tomorrow's not going to be any different. And I think sometimes we get really, really frustrated at this because we want our life to change, but we don't actually want to make different choices. And so Proverbs, to me, is, is this book of choices where we're going to read of these, these two great individuals, one, as Justin introduced last week, the father, right? And today I'm going to talk about these, these, this lady you know, the four poems of Lady Wisdom. And I, I, I think it's more than just a lady. All right? Over and over here in the book of Proverbs, and I'll read to you. And now, please, you can disagree with me. I'm not, I'm not going to hang my hat on this. I'm not, I'm not trying to lay down some, some theological pillar here. I'm just making an observation, one that I haven't seen anywhere else. But one that just really stuck out to me. The book of Proverbs, over and over again, speaks about the words of the father and the mother. Let me just read a couple here for you. Right? There seems to be this, this, this source of wisdom. There seems to be this, this, this epicenter of this family unit. I'm just going to turn to Proverbs 10.1. So if you understand the outline of Proverbs as Justin has introduced... We kind of begin with these, these letters and poems in Proverbs 1 through 10. Justin, you're my local fact checker. If I get this wrong, please correct me. So Justin kind of began with, with, with the father, kind of giving this introduction, this invitation to wisdom. And then there's, then there's the words of this, this woman. And so beginning in, in chapter 10, we begin to look at these lists these words of encouragement, these insights of all this wisdom, and we're going to begin next week looking at some of these. And it's interesting to me that at, in the very opening verse of, of chapter 10, it says this, the Proverbs of Solomon, a wise son made, makes, a glad, makes a glad father. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is sorrow to his mother. And you see the introduction here. You begin to see this, this, this pattern which then continues. I'm going to go towards the end of the book, Proverbs 23, um, verse 25. Let your father and mother be glad that her who bore you rejoice. 
Proverbs 23, 22, listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. Oh, verse 23, I love. Buy truth and do not sell it. <coughs> Buy wisdom and instruction. If Proverbs does anything well, it's going to invite us to measure how we invest our resources. I'd like to ask, right? This is rhetorical. I don't want you to actually raise your hands and, and, and tell me. But how much wisdom do you have stored up in your lockboxes at home? When I'm listening to the radio, I hear over and over and over again, buy gold, right? Right now, the financial markets, everything's so unstable, buy gold. Make sure you have enough saving, you know? Make sure that you're taking care of yourself. Store up with your food. How much, how much wisdom do you have at home? How much wisdom do you have in your lockboxes? How much wisdom, because you do have a lockbox, by the way. You actually have a lockbox, which, which the scripture calls is actually your soul. How much wisdom do you have stored up in your soul? Because the only person that can access your soul is you and, who, and those who you allow to access it. So there is a place that we can actually store up this wisdom. And I love where he says here, buy truth and do not sell it. Buy truth and do not sell it. When I was a kid, I had a paper route. At the age of 11, my son just turned 11. I can't believe he would actually be working, at, he could be working at this age. I was delivering papers and I'd ride my bike and, and uh, to where the papers were delivered, I, I'd get out my knife and open them and pack them all into my little carrier bag. Those of you who are anywhere, right, anywhere uh, age 50 or over would remember this, right? And I'm walking house to house delivering these newspapers. And then would come the time at the end of the month. At the end of the month, I'd grab my little money bag I go knocking door to door and I collect $7.35 from every patron for 30 days of newspapers. Well, I guess they didn't get one on Saturday or Sunday, so do the math. 20 days of newspapers, right? $7.35, I remember, right? Now it's like $7.35 for one newspaper, right? And I go around, I collect, and some people are always excited to see me, right? There were always those... Those, those fantastic old ladies, you know, they get out their little, their little coin purse, you know, and they'd squeeze it and open it up and reach in there, you know, and give me two quarters as a tip, which back then, by the way, two quarters went a long way, so I'm not knocking it, all right? It was something magnificent. And then there are always those houses. Now I'm 11 years old. There's always those houses. Oh, boy, I can actually see, I can actually remember the house, right? Knock on the door. And after some period of time, you just imagine the grown-ups are just diving behind the sofa to avoid you. And I'd go months that they wouldn't pay me. That they wouldn't... And that, now understand, this was a business. They weren't stealing. They were not stealing from the paper company. Because what would happen is I'd collect the dues, and then I'd have to go to the bank, write a check, and actually pay for the papers myself. So I was the one who bought all the papers. Right? And then there was the markup, and whatever was left over was mine. So there are always these two individuals that I can remember that just wouldn't pay me. It was meaningful to me as a kid because I was going to get $100 a month. I was going to get $100 a month as an 11-year-old to, to spend, save, use as I wished. $100 for, 11, for an 11-year-old in 1980-something was a lot of money. It was fantastic. I would plan for how I was going to spend that money. 
I would get so excited and, 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 and almost that those visions would fill me as I'm delivering those papers, right? Do we have the same vision for spending all that we have on collecting wisdom from the scriptures? On learning how God loves us and how he wants us to live our lives? <clears throat> Do we spend our days diving into the scripture, reading? Because this is what the book of Proverbs is. See, and this wisdom is understanding how the choices we make today are going to impact our, uh, the outcome tomorrow. This is what this book is all about. It's so essential for us to understand. And when I'm reading it, I, I, I would say I'm as much convicted as I am encouraged. I am led with, with direction and, and, and reminders Right, as much as I am slightly afraid, because what if I don't make those right choices? Right, what what if I'm not investing in the right thing? <clears throat> so simply this, wisdom is connecting your choices, connecting choices to their outcomes. Where this gets a little bit difficult, this gets a little bit difficult when we've already predetermined the outcome. Let me read to you. Let's begin. I, wanna, I do want to try to read these poems from Lady Wisdom. And this beginning in Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. She shows up right after the Father speaks in verse 20. And she says this. Wisdom cries out loud, aloud in the street, in the market. She raises her voice. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out at the entrance of the city. At the entrance of the city gate, she speaks. How long, O oh simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will you scoffers delight in your scoffing? scoffing? And fools hate knowledge. If you turn in my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you because I have called and you refuse to listen. I have stretched out my hand and, and no one has heeded because you have ignored all my counsel. And would have none of my reproof. I will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when, when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes out like a whirlwind when distress and anguish come upon you. They will call upon me and I won't answer. They will see me diligently but, but will not find me because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. When I was a kid, when I was a kid, oh, at least my son's age, at the age of, of, of 11, I would go to the library during school days. They would give us time to go to the library and read. And, and um, I'm going to ask um, Lisa to put up a picture here by Georgian Francois. I remember finding a picture, an image like this, in this book. I, I couldn't find the ori original image. I tried so hard, but this is one that I found. And as a child, I would sit there in my public school library, and, and my soul was captured by this. 
So much that it formed the early years of my life. Because somewhere within my own soul it resonated that if I don't find wisdom, if I, if, I, if I just do what feels natural, if I just do what feels easy, even though it might seem to be pleasurable, it's going to lead to my destruction. Now, uh, granted, I've always been, those of you who know me, I've always been a hyper-intense individual, right? I have this nasty thing in my life, which is, I kind of call it the Genesis 1 um, it's like a Genesis 1 desire. I really like the idea of perfection. I really, really do. This thing called sin just doesn't sit really well in, in my soul. And this kind of goes through everything. When I was a kid, I was, I was, I was the boy who, who needed to be the fastest, needed to win every game, you know, needed to, needed to always be succeeding, always working harder. So, so, I, was so I was so driven I understand we're not all driven, but being driven as a child, when I saw this, it, it laid before me a path. It laid before me a choice. Because if I wasn't exercising or working hard, if I wasn't trying to do my best, I simply wasn't going to be. I had goals. I'm sitting right now, but I'm only five foot six. In my glory days, I was a towering example of an individual at five foot six and three fourths. I was always the littlest kid in the classroom. As a matter of fact, when I was in fifth grade, we went to the kindergarten classroom to do a, a, a fifth grade kindergarten teaching hour. And when I tried to leave, the teacher wouldn't let me leave because she thought I belonged in that class. I was the same height as the kindergarten kids. So I will tell you a little bit of my drive to, to succeed or be more than I am is what the world would call like a little man syndrome. I was always the smallest, so I always wanted to... Whatever people told me I couldn't do, I wanted to go ahead and do. I'm not saying... This is not biblical, by the way. I'm, I'm confessing to you this is one of my weaknesses, all right? Don't want you going home saying, the pastor said... You know, I, I need to do this. No, I'm simply sharing with you my, my journey. And so this image, it just caught me. It just, it just, at a very young age, I started having this understanding that my choices were going to impact my outcome. Added to this, I was surrounded by family members who made it rather, rather easy for me to distinguish the direction I didn't want to go. I didn't like the arguing and the chaos and the judgment and the hatred. I didn't like the shortcuts. I didn't care for the drinking, the drunkenness, the smoking. I didn't care for the irreverent idea of the way that, that my own family would use relationships. It was almost as if as a child, I was swept into the, the current down a trail that I didn't want to go. In Matthew 7, this trail is called narrow is the road, right? Wide is the road that leads to destruction. Narrow is the road that leads to eternal life. 
As a child, I feel like I've swept up in this current. And although I'd like to pause and, and, and tell you that that made me angry, or tell you that somehow it's their fault for whatever I didn't accomplish in my life, or somehow, right, um, I don't need to be responsible for my life because of what they've done. It actually gave me a beautiful introduction to Jesus where he, in the very, very similar words of Proverbs, like this woman is coming and saying to us, if you listen to me, you can choose different. If you listen to me, you can walk a different path. If you release the anger in your heart and choose forgiveness, I can take you to a different outcome. If you relinquish your impatience and embrace my discipline, I can lead you to the life that I've created you to pursue. If you pause the desires of your own heart and allow yourself to receive my love, I will fill you with a love for others that will open you up and prepare you for relationships that will last and where that love can be modeled to the lives around you. Saying all this to an 11-year-old is a bit much, isn't it? It's kind of awfully, awfully, awfully steep. So I'll be honest with you, this is not typically how your faith journey begins. Our faith journey begins very simply with the way this, this woman is speaking in Proverbs. I want you to choose a different direction. If you can hear me, because I'm calling out on the streets, I'm, I'm available to everyone, wisdom, I'm available to everyone. If you just, if you just listen and heed, if you just relinquish and stop and listen to me, I will lead you down the road of life. See, to me, this is not just the lady in wisdom. I think this is actually, I think this is the mother. I think this is the, the masculine and the feminine perspectives. I'd like to tell you that, that each and every one of us in this room have been raised with the father and mother similar with to the voices of Proverbs. Or we've had a father that has, has stood there with us and given us words of encouragement and words of discipline and direction. Telling us that the direction that he's giving us can be trusted and it's right to walk this path. I'd like to believe that every one of us in this room have had a mother that in her nurturing care have hugged us and held us and, and, and have said to us, when you're feeling weak, when you feel like you can't go on, when the wide road seems so simple to be drifted up in, I'd like to believe that we've had a mother that has been there to encourage us to not give up, to stand and endure and journey the long road. And I want you to know, I don't come from that family. At a very, very early place in my spiritual journey, the Lord revealed to me, I don't come from that family. But you know who else didn't come from that family? Abraham. Being called by the voice of the Lord to leave 
his home, leave his family, leave and take a very, very narrow road. Uh, early on in my spiritual journey, I felt like the Lord saying, see, sometimes in our life, some of us in this room, some of us are, 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 are Isaacs. Where we have a father of wisdom who has taught us, who has brought us along. This is a wonderful, wonderful gift. If you've been granted this gift, cherish it. If, you've been, if you are a child of a father and mother listening to these words of wisdom in the books of Proverbs, it is a wonderful gift. Cherish it. Abide in it. Love it. If you're not, these words of wisdom, this father and the mother, is right here for you. Because God is calling you to be an Abraham in your, in your life and in this world. See, there's something really, really exciting also about being an Abraham. You get to be the father and the grandfather of a family of those to come behind you that will have the father and mother of wisdom that you didn't. See, it's awfully heroic. Abraham, to me, is an awfully heroic character. Essential character. As a matter of fact, I believe that scriptures say that the Lord spoke to Abraham. And what did he have him do? He had him look up at the stars. Right? Had him look up at the stars. And what did he say? Your offspring will be as many as these. Now, I, want you to, I just want to point something out here, which is really, really curious, because in this culture, in this time, people would have looked up to the stars to, 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 understand, to understand their past. But the Lord's having Abraham look up to see his future, to see where he's leading him, to understand that this narrow road that you're taking is filled it's being led by the wisdom of the Lord so that you can live out a life that's going to bless generations and generations and still is blessing generations and generations. Abraham, our father. Let me read on. See this, I believe what is happening here in these opening passages of Proverbs. Turn with me to Proverbs 3. These opening verses are an invitation to choose. This is Proverbs 3, over in verse 13. We're continuing with Lady Wisdom's second poem. And it says this. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than the gain from silver, and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Excuse me. Her ways are ways of pleasantness. And all her paths are peace. She is the tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth by understanding. He established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open. The clouds dropped down the dew. I love how her second poem builds on the first. And she begins to, to if I'm going to summarize this for you, 
please disagree with me. It's okay. I'm fine with it. What I hear her saying is, is, my son, if you follow wisdom in your life, you're going to discover that your life is just going to be much more enjoyable. You're going to have less conflict. You're going to have healthier relationships. You're going to be cultivating the ability to forgive. You're going to be cultivating the gifts that are necessary to actually thrive in your life rather than hold on to the path of easiness I shared a couple of weeks ago. You ever noticed how bitterness is easier to hold on to than joy? You ever notice how jealousy is, is, is a, a tide that washes over you rather than, rather than generosity and kindness? Right? It's so much easier. The evil in our hearts. If you don't... If you haven't come to the place in your life that, that you need forgiveness, I'm just going to encourage you, just look, just look at the, the tendencies of your own heart. Because I want you to know what's easily in my heart, and it's impatience, and it's bitterness, and it's temptation, and it's distraction. And it's so easily pulled away to, to anything that I can run away from, rather than run to. And she's saying here in this passage, listen, if you, if you come along, if you listen and you abide... Show up on this path one step at a time. This long road, this long, narrow road. You are going to find yourself just being a luckier person. Now listen, I use this word to be a, a little bit, to just prod it, instigate a little bit. We're followers of Jesus. We don't believe in luck, right? But I'm going to challenge that just a little bit because I want you to know that when I discovered and found that Jesus loved me and then he gave his life for mine so that I could live a different life, I felt really lucky. Yeah. I feel really, really lucky that I don't have to live the way that I was taught. How about you? Yes. Have you ever noticed that, that even maybe in this room, have you ever noticed that some people just tend to be luckier than others? Right, maybe they're luckier in, in, in a relationship or marriage, luckier you know, that their, their kids love each other and their kids love the family, luckier that they have a job they enjoy, or, or, or luckier that, that you know, they, they, they seem to keep getting lucky at the things that they're doing. You guys just got really lucky and you got a house, right? In a very, very simple way. The more good decisions you make in your life, the luckier you're going to be. Luck, I once heard someone say this, and I love this idea. Luck is like John Doe for God. No, I don't believe in random luck, right? But I will tell you this. If I'm kind to the people around me, I'm going to find friends among, among them. If I'm generous with the people around me, I'm going to find I'm going to get lucky in how people are generous with me. If I'm, encouraging and speak, if I'm encouraging and speak life to people around me, I'm going to get lucky in how they encourage and speak to me. You see where I'm going with this? But if I'm not kind, I think I'm going to be a little bit less lucky in the friends that I find and the friends that I make. If I 
don't find work that I can enjoy and sometimes just show up to, right? Day after day after day. I'm just thinking about you guys, day in and day out. Can I share a little bit of our story together? You know what these two individuals said to me, and I cry anytime I think of you, and I love this. You know what um, Greg and Aaron said to me, what, 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 what they were hoping to get lucky with? Just a house, a yard, and a dog. Do we have the dog yet? No. Not yet? Just, they just wanted a puppy. They just, want to, they just want the family to be together. They just want to be lucky that the family's together, that the girls have a, a yard right, to go out to. They just want to be so lucky that there's a puppy to pet. Right? They just want to be lucky enough that there's a little more love in their life that goes beyond them because they've lived a life. They know what it's like to not even have enough love for themselves. And I join you in that. I know what it feels like to live a life that I don't even have enough love for myself. But then comes Lady Wisdom. All built on the foundations of the earth. Did you hear that she said that? That she was there before, before chaos became, was, was, was turned into the foundations of the earth. Before the, the expanse was created. Before the, the, the earth broke open. And the, separating the waters and the air. She was there. See, wisdom's always existed. As a matter of fact, the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve were planted into this Garden of Wisdom. See, wisdom isn't, this is really, really important. Wisdom isn't necessarily the path we take, but it's connected to who we trust to walk the path. See, what I mean by this is sometimes we just, want, we just want our lives to be simple, to be easy. We don't want to make hard decisions. We just want our lives to work out the way, they, the way that we want them to. We just want to be happy. We don't want a hardship. And what she's not saying, what Lady Wisdom is not saying is that, listen, if you do the wise thing, your life's going to be easier. Sorry, easy. I will say it will be easier. If we can take hold of wisdom, I guarantee life will be easier because what we're going to read, what she's going to tell us about, she's going to teach us about relationships. She's going to teach us about boundaries. She's going to teach us about, about walking in a way that is going to be building up ourselves, building up others. She's going to teach us about how we were designed in the image of God from the very, very beginning. And when we don't understand the image of God, it's very, very difficult to understand how to remain true to this voice, how to remain true to this image of God within us. See, the truth is, when we actually live in our divine design, when we live and discover Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and we begin to turn and walk that narrow road following him, I want you to know you're just going to live a luckier, better life. I'm reminded of how many times in my own life. I remember my mom called me one time, funny as it is, and some of you are guilty of this, but you don't have to point it out. I remember my, 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 my best friend um, started dating um, one of my friends. 
And my mom was so upset about this. This is like when I was a teenager, 18, 19, right? And she's, my best friend started dating um, one of my other friends. And my mom was just like, why? You know, why isn't she dating you? Why isn't, you know? And, and these, th- these things get in your mind, like, well, why am I not good? And I didn't even think about it. I mean, I didn't even, I wasn't, je- I didn't know. I didn't even know I was supposed to be jealous. <laughs> I didn't even know at the time. You know, I needed people outside of me to put that, put that in me, right? I didn't know. I didn't know I was supposed to be upset that you make more money than me. I didn't know that, right? I didn't know I was supposed to be upset that, that you have things I don't have, right? Sometimes this is the distraction that we get pulled into. Rather than walking down the path that Lady Wisdom calls us, of course, in the foundation, an understanding of who Jesus is, we end up being distracted and walking down these other paths. Turn with me to uh, Proverbs chapter 8, and I'll read a little bit here. So chapter 8 and 9, she finishes up with her final two poems. And it's almost like she begins to repeat herself. Now, if anyone repeats themselves... It's usually uh, one of two reasons. It's very, very important, or the person speaking really just needs to be heard. All right? Sometimes it's just the narcissist who just needs to be heard, so I'm going to repeat myself. Sometimes the person's repeating themselves because it's so, so important. Sometimes... We as the listener get confused. Sometimes those of you who have grown kids know exactly what I'm talking about. Right? We tell our children over and over and over again because it's important. But to them, oh, they're just nagging me. Oh, why are they repeating themselves? Right? You need to decide. And some of you already have. Is Lady Wisdom nagging? Is she repeating herself? Is she the the narcissist that just needs to give heed to hear her own words? Or is she calling out and begging and telling you that there is a better way? Chapter 8. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way of the crossroads, she takes stand. Besides the, beside the gates, in front of the town, at the entrance of the portal, she cries aloud, To you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the children of men. O, sim- o simple ones. She said this before, didn't she? Learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. You know what, they, you know what uh, the definition of foolishness is? Doing the same thing day after day, expecting a different outcome. Verse 6. Here, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. My mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Do you hear her saying, you can trust me? There's... Anything that I've struggled to find in my life, I want you to know it's been an extreme struggle to find someone that I can trust. 
Trusting people, I have discovered, is one of the most difficult things in the world, which is why forgiveness was created. <laughs> why we have to learn to forgive, right? Forgiveness isn't there so that we stop trusting. It's so that we continue to be able to learn to trust and grow in our trust because trust is essential. And here she is. She's, she's like, will you trust me? Will you trust me? I'm telling you the truth. See, and Jesus in the gospel said, I am the way. I am the truth. See, before we can discover what is true, we first have to decide who we're going to trust. And she's simply inviting us here again. Will you trust me? Verse 10, take my instruction instead of silver. And knowledge rather than the choice of gold. For wisdom is better than jewels. And all that you may, and all that you may desire can not compare with her. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence. And I find knowledge and discretion. Verse 13. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance. And the way of evil and perverted speech. I hate this. Do our hearts, are our hearts saddened for the things that sadden God's heart? See, this is, this would be called conviction. When our heart is sad, saddened by the things that sadden God's heart, this is called conviction. And, and I, I pause because I think about my own life. Are, are we saddened by our own pride and our own arrogance? and our own way of evil, and our own perverted speech? Are, are, are we saddened? Or, or are we just better at pointing out in others, but not able to point it out in ourselves? See, because this, this is one of those markers along the road. I've discovered, if I've discovered anything in life, wisdom says this, when you, find, when you discover that you're going in the wrong direction, stop and turn around. Though many of you in this room will agree with me. I hate going the wrong direction. Right? I hate going the wrong direction. Have you ever been driving your car and you have you have like a Google the Google Maps or or your Apple Maps up? Right? Um, I usually don't pull out my maps until I'm lost. And, and, and then Sharon pulls it up and she'll be like, you know, do you need the maps? And of course I'll be like, no. I, I, no, I don't need the maps, right? And then about four or five miles later, Sharon can, Sharon's my wife, by the way. Can, can you pull up the maps for me, please? And even when she pulls it up, the map shows me which way I need to go. And, and I just don't want to turn around. If I don't have to, I, I, I will take the long way back to the starting position. Because of my pride, because of my ignorance. I don't like backtracking. Friends, Matthew 7 says if we don't turn around, if we don't choose the narrow path, there is a time that it comes that it's too late. There's no opportunity to turn around. The Bible calls it death and destruction. Easy is the path to death and destruction. And she's simply saying, 
Listen, if you're going the wrong direction, please turn around. Verse 14, I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight and strength. By me, kings reign and rulers decree what is just. By me, princes rule and nobles, all who govern justly. I love those who love me. And those who seek me diligently, they will find me. And riches and honor are with me. Verse 19, my fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. And listen to this. This is such a beautiful word he chooses. He chooses. Whoever wrote it, I'm just going to say she, because this is ladies, Lady Wisdom's poetry. She says, my fruit is better than gold. What is your fruit? See, in, in, in her first poem, she uses this very, very insincere language. And, and, and she's not trying to be flippant. I don't like the, I don't like the translation that she's there. But in the first poem, she says, listen, when the time comes that you've gone too far, when your life is a result of your poor choices, and when those consequences come upon you, she literally says, I can no longer help you. There is a time that if we don't turn around, that our, we arrive at this destination called our consequences. And this is what she's saying. She's like, okay, listen, this is your fruit. This is the fruit of your life. Jesus spoke about it as well. He said, listen, if a tree doesn't bear fruit, it's of no good. It's going to be, it's going to be uprooted, torn down, and thrown in the eternal fire. But she doesn't speak of this fruit. She speaks of other fruits. Fruit that, again, that leads us to the life that we were designed to live. But the truth is, I think many of us are impatient when it comes to receiving the Lord's fruit. Many of us are impatient on the hike, on the journey, because we want the destination to be. We want the, I, I, just, met, I just met some people. They're, they're so funny. They're saying, um, they're getting ready. They're, they're retired. Their children are all grown. They're going down to, someone help me out here. Um, the, the historical tribal civilization in Peru. Mayans? Incas. 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 So they're going down to hike like Machu Picchu and, and yeah, really, really cool. You know, and he's like, yeah, we're going to be hiking and camping. I'm like, oh my word, that's amazing. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Not real camping. We're going to be like, like posh glamping. You know, we're going to be stopping at all the you know, we're going to be staying in nice hotels, you know, walking a long way and stopping in nice hotels, right? <clears throat> Our journey is going to be filled. When we follow Jesus, it's, there's going to be a respite along the way. We have to take the journey that he's given us. And I want you to know, as an encouragement, please receive this as encouragement, my journey is no different than yours. We all have the exact, although our stories are different, the journey is the same. We all have to battle temptation. We all have to walk the long, narrow road. We all will feel alone. We will all feel abandoned. But you know, sometimes when I get my best moments of respite, it's often when I'm in conversations with you. It's often when I'm here Sunday morning. You know, we get to worship with Sarah. Sometimes it's, it's alone and I'm just praying and, and, and pressing into the scriptures and, and just spending time with the Lord. Sometimes if I'm out in nature or, or, or I'm doing some physical activity, sometimes it's just getting caught in the rain, right? 
The Lord promises us that even though there's going to be times the road and the path is difficult, He's going to show up. He will remain faithful. Matter of fact, Paul writes, He will remain faithful even if we're not, because He cannot deny Himself. So even when we fall, even when, we're, when we, we lack in faith, I want you to know that we can always start again. We can always start fresh, seeking Lady Wisdom over and over and over. Let me step into chapter 9 here. Chapter 9, the way of wisdom. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn it seven pillars. She slaughtered her beasts, has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come and eat of my bread and drink of my wine that I've mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. I, this didn't settle on me, Aaron, until just now. Wisdom has built her house. These seven pillars which hold it and keep it strong. There's food on the table, food and drink, plenty to sustain, plenty to call blessing. So much so that those who live there go out and call and direct others to the same insight, the same wisdom. The same wisdom. God, if you're receiving no's in your life, maybe it's because God's waiting to give you a bigger yes. She says, come and eat my bread and drink this wine that I've mixed. Leave your simple ways. Verse 7, whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse. And he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Have you ever noticed that when you try to correct someone who lives in disagreement, they will just disagree with you? Verse 8, do not reprove a scoffer. He'll hate you for it. But if you reprove a wise man, he will love you for it. But yet, have you ever noticed that if you give your opinions and your insights to the wise person, even if they disagree with you, they will listen to you. Because maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe what you're being told is true. Because a wise man will, will, will sit and listen and observe. And say, if I'm in my wrong, Justin gave me next week. He gave me the teachings of Agur. And this is exactly who he, what he, he is going to be saying. He's saying, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'm right. I'm not sure if I know the right way. I'm not sure I'm wise. So tell me what you see. Tell me what you know. See, that in itself is wisdom. Verse 9, give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We've talked about Jesus and the knowledge of the Holy Spirit. Sorry, the Holy One is insight. For by me your days will be multiplied, and years will be added to your life. Sometimes I think that's a bit much. It's a bit more than I need. I don't, friends, many times I don't need years. What did he say here? Days and years. I don't need days and years. You know what I need? I, I, I need moments. I need moments. See, sometimes when I think, think about, oh, God's going to bless me with, with, with days and years, sometimes I get anxious and, and 
Well, when's that going to happen? But see, his blessing comes in the moments of being still. Moments of a posture where we're listening and trusting in him. See, those moments become days. Those days lengthen into years. And this is how his wisdom compounds. Verse 12, if you are wise, you're wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. And I want to move towards closing in chapter 9, verse 13, because she's going to be wise enough to tell us something that we need to know. And, and she writes this, The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat at the highest place of the town, calling out to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet bread, is sweet, and bread eaten is secret. Sorry, bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there and that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. I think it's really, really important that we look at this part of her, her poems because this woman crying out is saying the exact same thing. The exact same thing. All you who are simple, come follow me and I will give you what you want. And see, it sounds very, it sounds very, very similar. I'm going to be a little bit distinct here. The woman says, come, follow me, and I'll give you what you want. I'll give you your heart's desire. And the other woman says, come and follow me, and you will discover what you were created to desire. One woman speaks of this house built on a solid foundation, filled with food and drink and satisfied. Satisfy. The other woman says, steal it. Eat it, take it, drink it. Take what you need immediately now. And it will feel good. It will feel good. It will have some level of reward to it, some level of satisfaction, some level of sustenance. But it only leads to death, she says. Because it's not, these are two different kinds of bread. One is the bread of life, and the other one's just bread. I remember the evil one speaking to Jesus. Take these stones and turn them to bread. Take these stones and turn them to bread. You've been out here for 40 years. You're hungry. Doesn't some beautifully baked sourdough bread Smell this. Doesn't this sound wonderful? And what did Jesus say? Man does not live. Man does not live by bread alone, but by the wisdom by which he established his creation. I'm going to read this passage to you. This is in Galatians 1.6. Paul writes to the church, he says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you. Him who called you in the grace of Jesus and are, and are turning, that you're turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another, another gospel, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Jesus. 
I like this clip because, like all of us, we're called into all, this, uh, all these other pieces of good news. Right? Good news this, or try, good news this, maybe I can put my hope in that. And, and Paul is saying very, very clearly, listen, in verse 8, I love it, he says, even if we or another angel from heaven should preach to you a, a, a different news, a different good news, contrary to the one Jesus, contrary to what we told you, let him be accursed. See, Lady Wisdom is calling out in the street. I love how the cricket comes, comes walking in. He's Lady Wisdom, right? In this little 1940s clip, they, they, they villainize like the smoking and the drinking and all these, cultural, all these cultural pieces. But this is not the point that I care to address. It's, it's the pieces in our soul, right? The anger and the fear the shame, the, 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 the temptations that we run to, the pride, right? All these things that are destroying our soul because sim- similar, the Bible does say eventually that the day comes when the grace runs out. See, see, Jiminy, who said it? Oh yeah, Pinocchio goes, but he's my best friend. He says, he says, you only live once. My friends, you only die once. You get a chance to live every day. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. There is not another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel. This gospel began with a real simple story that I'm going to read to you. I told you I had a lot of scripture for you today. It's in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. We finished the holiday season only a month ago. And it says this, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear. Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for... That which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22, it says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophets. Verse 24, And when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took his wife. If I were Joseph, you can see how he was tempted to trust in the wisdom of the world. He was going to marry Mary. And whatever account we have in the scriptures about Joseph in his life, through this path of wisdom, he's going to be the protector of this young baby. They're going to be, they're going to be on the run as this little boy, this newborn Jesus is going to be pursued to be destroyed, killed. I wonder why Joseph took the job. Some would say Joseph was awfully lucky. And see, it's because he was ready. He was ready. He had been living his life in accordance with the wisdom of the Lord, that when the angel of the Lord showed up, he was ready, and God knew 
that this is who baby Jesus would need because the trials that they were going to face in their early years were going to be so intense. Wisdom is connecting our choices to their outcomes. But even more so, it's connecting our choices to trusting the one that guides us. Right? Trusting that the Lord has laid out a path for us. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Can you put this up, Lisa? We're all going to read it together. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I think many of you already have it memorized. If you don't, I'm going to encourage you to. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. 